Hi, and thank you for joining us for episode number five of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Jans. On the Jelly Marketing Podcast, we ask global industry leaders from world-class brands to share their best practices, innovations, stories, and more to help you move your agency, business, or organization ahead. Our topic for today is how to hold a world-class event. In this episode, we discuss our guest's career path, how she went from politics to brand live, the importance of team, the brand live core principles, collaboration and leadership, and last but certainly not least, a few tips on how to hold a world-class event. Our guest is Katie Schaefers, the VP of Strategy and Creative at Brand Live Group. Katie oversees creative and strategic direction of brand live events and supports senior leadership in setting business goals and strategy. She is the curator of TEDx Vancouver and has helped to organize events like the EA Games, the Squamish Valley Music Festival, Voices in the Park, which was an award-winning concert benefiting the Sarah McLaughlin School of Music, the annual massive Vancouver fireworks competition, the Honda Celebration of Lights, and many, many more. Stay tuned to the end of the interview where we find out what Katie likes to spread on her toast. Episode number five, have you heard that Disney will be competing in the Honda Celebration of Lights this year? Here we go. Hi, Katie. Thanks for joining me on the Jelly Marketing Podcast. Hey, Rod. Great to uh, chat with you. Katie is the VP of Strategy and Creative at Brand Live Group. She's also the creator of TEDx Vancouver. And I want to get into all of that in a moment. But first, I'd like to just talk about your career path a little bit and maybe even find out where you where you grow up, where you grew up. Um, you're, you're situated in Vancouver. Is that where you were born and grew up as well? Yeah, I am. I'm I'm a Vancouver girl at heart, and uh, you know I'm I, I love this city. I grew up here. Uh, I spent the first 18 years of my life here, uh, practically in the same house those first 18 years. And um, Vancouver is important to my family, and and I always knew, although I left Vancouver for school and and the first uh, couple years of my career, I always knew I'd come back. Uh, and, and even to this day, people always ask me, well, how long have you been back in Vancouver for? And it still only feels like a couple of years, but it's uh, coming up on a decade that I've been back in Vancouver. So I, I think I'm here to stay. When did you first become interested in marketing and business? You know, I started my career in a, in a, in a totally different space. Um, I, my background is in politics. Um, and I spent some time in Washington, D.C., uh, working in the U.S. political system. Then I spent some time back here in Vancouver uh, working for uh, the Provincial Liberal Party. And uh, the whole time I thought my trajectory is going to law school and, and you know, sort of staying in the political vein. Um, and it was actually politics that got me sort of into marketing and more specifically into events. Um, and then really the business piece of it kind of came later. Uh, the, the part that I was so interested in was this idea that you can bring people together around uh, a common idea, a common goal. Uh, you can um, convince them of things by presenting ideas in kind of a new and, and interesting light. And, and that really started with politics for me and, and seeing that world and understanding how people operated in that world. And, and you know, I realized that the political spectacle 
was just a big event uh, in itself. Uh, and, and anyone listening today who's been following along with the U.S., the current U.S. political, uh, you know, campaign cycle probably understands what I mean when I say it's just a big event. Um, and so that's kind of how I found my way into it and, and really sort of the, the interest in business and, and the interest in, uh, you know, growing companies and, and helping other people grow their businesses through marketing initiatives really came came second for me. I see you went to the prestigious London School of Economics. <laughs> la, la la la, makes me kind of <laughs> what, what did you take there? Did you take political science or did you take something else? Uh, I took. I started to specialize um, when I was at LSE. So my um, initial uh, degree is in um, political science uh, from McGill University. And then uh, at the London School of Economics, I started to specialize more into communications. And I was uh, at LSE in 2006, uh, which was an interesting year because it was the first First, uh, Twitter had just been invented, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, so Twitter was sort of this new social media platform, which coincided, interestingly enough, with the uh, very early stages of uh, President Obama's campaign. And he was uh, he was the first presidential candidate to use uh, this social media network. Uh, so it was a really, really interesting time to uh, to be in London, um, you know, quite removed from the American political system, but at the same time, kind of being able to look back at what was going on here uh, and really understanding how, how new media and politics were, were changing kind of hand in hand. I bet you got a really different view. You didn't get the Canadian view and you didn't get the U.S. view. You got a, a British view. Yeah. And, and and even more so than a British view, it was a very global view. Um, you know, the yeah, I was going to say there's probably a lot of students there from other yeah, countries the, as well. The classmates right? and, and certainly the professors that I had uh, were from all over the place. You know, I lived with two Italian students and, you know, the the people in my in my class were from from everywhere, you name it, from India, from, you know, different parts of Europe. Uh, there was a number of people from the U.S. as well uh, and, and a few students from Canada. So there was a real diversity in, in the perspectives and the, the types of things that we were able to discuss as a group. That must have been cool. So what was your career path once you got out of uh, the London School of Economics to ending up at Brand Live? What sort of took place in between or did, did not much take place in between? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, it, I always I always sort of um, equate my uh, career path to a bit of a, a sort of leapfrog or, or stepping stone. You know, as I said, I, I always sort of saw myself going to law school and, and sort of going back down the political path. But what I realized after some time in Washington, D.C., and then and then working in politics, uh, back in Vancouver was it just wasn't sustainable for me it was the the pace I loved the pace and I loved the excitement but I didn't love the outcomes you know you were you were always one party against the other you were always sort of pitted against there was always a sort of sense of opposition within politics so I sort of picked the things that I liked the best which was the pace I loved the people um, I loved working creatively as a team and collaborative co- collaboratively as a team you know to to, to see this outcome Come, uh, come to fruition. I also really loved project-based work. I loved when things had a start and a finish. So that was part of it. So it was really about honing what I loved. And then the second part of it was being back in, back in Vancouver in sort of 2007, 2008, uh, the Olympics were really starting to kick into high gear in terms of planning. And I thought to myself, okay, well, I've just been traveling around the world for the last couple of years, going to school, working, etc. This is the biggest global event 
arguably in the world, you know, why don't I try and marry some of those things together? Uh, so I ended up applying for a few jobs with Bannock, the, you know, the Vancouver planning committee for the Olympics didn't get a job there. So then I went to the next best thing, which was, well, why don't I try and work for a company that's working with the Olympics? Um, and so I took a job with a, with a company, a very well-known production company in town at the time, uh, called MVKA Productions and, uh, and started in on this kind of crazy journey of, of working in the event space. Uh, so I worked with a number of kind of clients that touched Olympic business. So I worked with the BC Ferries, um, and launched all of their new vessels that were coming over from Germany. And then every time the Olympic torch was on one of those vessels, I was with it. So I got to be on the torch relay for two weeks and, and did a, a bunch of cool stuff and was able to see a ton of behind the scenes around these big global events, uh, that were, that were happening in Vancouver. And that for me solidified it. That, that really, you know, confirmed for me my love of, of doing this kind of work. After that, uh, I took a really interesting job with the TED conference, uh, and I was a producer of the TED Active conference down in Palm Springs uh, for two years. So again, a, an amazing experience in a global event uh, that was uh, unprecedented uh, for me and, and certainly gave me visibility into what people were doing in other parts of the country, other parts of the world. Again, a very global audience um, and, and, you know, kept me really on my toes as far as advancing my career and, and my love of great ideas and, and all of those kinds of things. Uh, and then it was after Ted that I joined Brand Live and I've been there now for four years. I'm just going to name drop a little bit sure. for you. But <laughs> at Brand Live, you've been involved in the EA Games, the uh, Squamish Valley Music Festival. And you actually, it was, this was an award-winning event, The Voices in the Park, a concert benefiting the Sarah McLaughlin School of Music yeah. in 2012. Yeah. And many more events. Yes, too, too many to count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. You mentioned team. I just want to pick up on that. Sure. And that, you know, just for myself personally, I think a couple of my best team experiences outside of sports have been in organizing events. Mm -hmm. I just love it when, uh, you know, everybody just kind of pulls together. Everybody has their area of of expertise. And then you you, you come together and, and you pull off this event and afterwards you look back on it. It's like, wow, everybody did their did their thing. And it sounds like that's a part of event planning and, and, and event coordination that you really enjoy. As it's well. a huge part of it. And, you know, we talk about two um, kind of core principles um, at Brand Live and and, uh, you know, we talk about it being part of our DNA. Uh, one of those things is collaboration. And, you know, we we have a really strong team at Brand Live uh, made up of really diverse people. I mean, even just talking about my own background, coming from politics and communications and ending up in events, strategy and and, and more the creative side, but then you have people who are really great technicians and they're audio engineers and, and you know, our production managers have all this technical background. Uh, and then you have people who are more on the, you know, management or admin side and they're, you know, a whiz at Excel documents and they do our budgets and, and you know, there's all these sort of areas of expertise that need to come together in this really collaborative way. In addition to that, we also have partners that we work with outside of Brand Live and we couldn't do what we do without them. So, you know, I might have a great video production team that helps me tell stories and build content. I've got great web designers. I have, um, you know, people who do decor and design and, and create beautiful floral arrangements for, you know, some of the galas that we do. So collaboration is key. The other thing that's really key, and I, I think this stems back to teams as well, is leadership. 
And, you know, everybody has a slightly different definition, I think, of what leadership really means. But, you know, we talk about this all the time, that strong leadership and a strong vision um, and and sort of sticking to that vision and and creating that vision together uh, is something that we believe really strongly in and uh, and, you know, really take to heart as a team at Brand Live. What part of Brand Live does uh, your company handle specifically? It sounds like you're. Um, I noticed actually uh, uh, that you worked with Pink Buffalo on on a on a video uh, uh, a, a promotional video, I guess, for one of the events that you're involved in. And uh, but Brand Live, what specifically do you guys do, and what do you what do you contract out or bring other people in to do? Sure, yeah. So I mean, really, our our sort of core um, mission statement, uh, if you will, is uh, we are a production company and a creative agency, really all under one umbrella. Uh, we're one of the only full service, both production and creative agencies uh, in Vancouver um, and really across Canada. There's only a few other companies who, who do um, kind of the breadth of services that we do. Um, and we think that that differentiates us because we have the technical knowledge and we brain trust um, behind our, our company uh, or within our company, I should say, that that really allows us to kind of push boundaries and, and stretch ourselves, stretch ourselves. Having said that, we can't do it all on our own. So where where we really are the hub of the wheel, there's so many other vendors and partners that, that we work with across the board who help us do, uh, you know, create the magic that we create every day. So partners like Pink Buffalo, you know, are, are great partners of ours. They do a lot of work with us around video development and creative content, interviews, um, you know, corporate videos, that kind of thing. You know, and as I said, we have great web developers, we have graphic designers, um, we have technicians that we that we work with, we have musicians and artists that we work with. Um, and so we're constantly building that roster of people that, that really help to amplify our business. A question I've been asking a lot of the people for the Jelly Marketing uh podcast interviews is how they stay on top of marketing. But are there uh, event blogs or are there materials like that on events that, that you read that help you to stay on top of things? There are, yeah. There's a couple. We have a, a couple of really great industry associations, both within sort of Vancouver, BC, Canada, and also more more global. There's the International Special, Special Events Society, also known as ISIS, um, which is a, a really great organization that um, a number of uh, both Brand Live as well as um, some of our partners are involved in. Uh, it's a great, you know, um, opportunity for education, networking, you know, some of the, the trends that you're describing, uh, you know, there's there's lots of great resources through that. There's a couple of really great blogs, um, but the one that springs to mind for me is a, a blog called BizBash. Uh, and it's, if you can make it onto BizBash, if you produce an event that ends up on BizBash, it, you've made it uh, in our industry. Uh, and, and so that's sort of become this bar that, that people reach for. But it also is, again, a great resource for trends, tools, um, vendors. If you're doing an event in a different city, BizBash has these great rosters of, of uh, suppliers and partners in other cities that you can uh, that you can reach out to. What I find really interesting about the event space, and I, I would say this probably uh, is, uh, you know, happens in other creative industries as well. Well, is, is inspiration that or when we're looking for inspiration we're, we don't just go to event sources you know most of the most of the stuff that I'm looking at on a daily basis are things like you know coolhunting.com and I, I want to know what's happening in the tech scene and I want to know what artists are doing and I want to understand what's happening in the visual art community and what's happening in film and and what ha- what's happening in music because 
all of those, you know, often quite disparate creative industries all help inform the look, the feel, how an event might come together, um, what's popular, what's trendy, what's new, what's next. Uh, it, it isn't always industry specific. Uh, so we one, one of the other things we do at Brand Live is we really try and cast a wide net when we're starting to build creative and content for our clients is we're not just focused on, well, what looks nice at an event, but we really try and dig deep into their industry. So, you know, if I'm producing an event for electronic arts, as you mentioned, or if I'm producing an event for one of our, you know, medical clients or a financial services company. I want to learn as much as I can about their industry and help to marry those two things together. That That's really where the magic happens for us is it isn't just about sort of pushing our own agenda or, or what we think is cool, but really kind of curating an experience that brings together, uh, you know, some some pretty significant research, you know, uh, around what, what are the trends in various different industries to, to really put together a, a unique experience. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about how you come up with your creative ideas. Mm. You have that, <laughs> you have that in your in your in your job yeah. title, which <laughs> must be a little bit ominous. It's like, oh no, I have to be creative all the time. <laughs> I look at my team and I'm like, I don't have any ideas left today, you guys. So I guess I just have to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess when it comes to organizing something for like EA Sports, you just kind of, I guess, researching even their industry and then. Doing, looking at all the different things like you mentioned, like looking at cool hunting uh, website and watching what's going on in music, I guess you're probably always just looking and, and just trying to remain open all the time to to things that are going on in, in uh, popular culture. Yeah, that's a big part of it. I think pop culture plays a big role. Um, I think uh, looking at other sort of influencers and, and trendsetters is another thing, you know, uh, uh, you, you start to hone this list of kind of cultural touch points. Um, and again, not just in your own industry, but in, in, in a variety of industries. And you sort of watch for what's happening in, in those other spaces, whether it be fashion, technology, film. And, and, you know, you can, you can pull a lot of interesting inspiration from that. I think the other um, really key thing around, you know, creativity is is people sort of think, well, it's just this little genius that sits on your shoulder and you can sort of consult your creativity at any time. And it's certainly not the case at all. <laughs> it certainly isn't for me. Um, it's it's a muscle. It's a skill. It's a tool that you, you have to sharpen and you have to exercise, you know. And, and so for me, often that's taking a couple of weeks off every year and traveling to a new city and, and um, you know, eating new food and meeting new people and experiencing new things and seeing and touching textiles and textures and things happening in other places in the world so that I can kind of fold that back into my own uh, sense of... Of, of style and aesthetic and, and all of those kinds of things. So I think that's a key thing is getting outside yourself and outside your everyday practice and, and kind of gaining inspiration in that way. I think the other thing about creativity that's really important is that creativity doesn't exist in a vacuum. Um, it's not about just being creative for the sake of it. It's connecting that creativity to an end goal. Uh, and for us, that end goal is always about business objectives. Um, we see events not as uh, something that lives on its own. An event is part of a bigger marketing strategy and part of a bigger business plan. Uh, and we use events in that way and we help our clients understand their events in that way that, that it's a tool they can use. And so creativity is a method by which we achieve a business outcome. Uh, and that's something that's always at the forefront of our planning. 
Do you ever have like a creative brainstorming session with the with your clients? Constantly. And, and, Constantly. Yeah. That's the way we kick See? off every event is we have a giant whiteboard. It's like a 16 foot wall in our office. Uh, and yeah. the first thing that we do typically with any new client, but also a lot of our events are, are recurring annually. So we can't just sit back and go, oh, we'll just, you know, use the formula that we used last year. We go through this discovery process with our clients to uncover what it is that they want to achieve. Uh, and then we start to map out how we might do that. I want to go back to something you said. I find it really interesting. It sounds So it sounds like you intentionally create some space and get out there on your holidays because you just recognize that that time helps you to be more creative. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it isn't, you know, it, sometimes it's a, it's, it's going to another conference. Sometimes it's going to, um, you know, a great dinner party and sitting next to somebody that, you know, you wouldn't normally interact with and, and that kind of sparks something in you. So, you know, it isn't just about sort of, uh, it isn't always about travel. You don't always have to get on an airplane, but um, it is about kind of getting outside of your day-to-day experience and, and allowing yourself to be open to those things. The other the other big thing, and, and I think this is sort of a uh, something that gets lost, is um, how important rest is and how important not thinking is and how important it is to just let your brain you know, be turn off for a little bit. And I think that's, uh, it's something that I talk to a lot of friends about that work in the creative industries is that it's, it's exhausting often to be on all the time and, and to sort of feel like it's like your brain is, is the thing that, you know, drives your business forward. So I, I, that's something I talk about a lot with, with people is, you know, it isn't just about um, generating ideas all the time. Sometimes it's just about taking a rest. Uh, and, that, and and allowing yourself the space to to breathe and and you know feel better. We should just say that Katie and I met briefly at the Canadian Internet Marketing Conference back in uh, April that was held in Squamish, and uh, I I thought it was really cool to just have an event in a different place other than like a a hotel or your typical place. It just it was it. For some reason, it was less tiring. Like I get tired out in hotels and stuff like that. And then, you know, like when I interviewed you post, you know, post after your talk, we were we were doing the interview in the back of a of a train, yeah. you know, and 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 the the uh, the green room was in a train. I only went in there once, but that place was rocking. There was networking going on, and <laughs> the the green room for all the speakers. There was lots. Looks like there was lots of good good business going totally. on. Probably lots of creativity. Lots of creativity. Going on. Well, and I think your point yeah. is such a great one about you know being at an event, which is only you know forty five minutes outside the city, but you feel like you're in nature, you're in a different environment, you're in a space that sort of breeds that that sense of creativity and that sense of freedom that uh, that we all need. And, and, you know, it takes 40 minutes to drive up there in your car and you feel like you're in a totally different world. Yeah, just even the drive up there was, was amazing. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, it so. was great. So for people that are holding their own events, what are some common things that you see or do you have some advice for us? I, I, I by the way, I, I hold a gala every year for uh, Mission Possible for the organization that I work for during the day. And yeah, it, it, it'd be interesting to hear from you some just some thoughts on how we could hold better events. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I could talk for hours. <laughs> sure. I bet you could. Uh, but I think <laughs> you could pull out your keynote and give totally, it to us. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple of key things, I think, that and and perhaps these are, are trends or tips or, or whatever you want to call them. But I think 
one of the things that people are really looking for in events now is connection and and finding ways to connect live with people. You know, and I talked about this a little bit um, up in Squamish is, you know, people are so focused on digital and technology and how do we connect online and all of these sorts of things. But events are really the breeding ground for face-to-face connection. And it's where that, that sort of intersection of uh, great ideas can come to fruition in a, in a live setting. Um, and whether you're planning a gala or a birthday party or a corporate event for 600 people or a conference for 10,000 people, finding ways for authentic connection is, I think, at the crux of, of what's happening in events right now. And the most successful events are the ones where they create authentic connections. Um, or opportunities for authentic connections between uh, the participants. I think the other um, part, and, and this maybe connects to it, is this idea of creating immersive experiences. Uh, and, and you know, an event isn't just about receiving an invite and showing up and having some dinner and a cocktail anymore. Uh, and, and maybe they were never like that. But I think particularly now, consumers, guests, attendees, whatever you want to call them, uh, are so discerning that they want the best. They want to feel like they're experiencing something that's a wow factor. They want to feel like they are experiencing something new or unique or one of a kind. People love to take photos and share them online, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, and so the, the job of an event professional is to create that shareable content, you know, create experiences inside the event that people can share together and then also create those same experiences that people want to share with other people. You're, the people who come to your events are your greatest ambassadors who are going to be sharing your content and, and your vision and your story uh, outside the walls of the event. So I think that that sort of duality of that experience, both an authentic experience for people who are at the event and then something that is worthy of being shared uh, outside the event is, uh, is key. The other thing, and this is the thing that I will never, ever scrimp on, is always pay attention to what people are eating and what people are drinking. If people are well fed and they've had a few cocktails or a great glass of wine, they will always walk away happy. Uh, So there's a few (laughs) sort of experiential things that I always focus on. And it seems so simple, but you know, people don't necessarily care if, you know, you've spent $100 or $150 on the flowers on the table, but they absolutely care whether you've spent $50 or $150 on the steak dinner that's sitting in front of them. So I think, you know, as a sort of foodie culture and, and craft cocktails and craft beer and, you know, people are people have discerning palates and, and, you know, the choices are endless for them. And, you know, the certainly the restaurant scene in Vancouver and I can imagine in a number of other cities around the world, it's the same way. Um, you know, giving people something memorable uh, is is so important. Great. Well, there's so many things there I'd love to dissect with you. But I, one thing you, I think you gave an example of this at the at the Canadian Internet Marketing Conference, and that was an immersive experience that you provided at the um, at the Squamish uh, Music Festival. Can you give us an example of of that, like? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think I think the one that w- I talked about there was um, an activation that we did for Topshop. Uh, so Topshop is a, a client of ours and a sponsor of the or was a sponsor of the music festival. And what we did with them was we designed an activation um, that was uh, create your own festival T-shirt. Um, so the product was was provided by, you know, Topshop. They're obviously a, a 
printing station where people could actually go and create a beautiful custom t-shirt for the festival. And it was in this really cool kind of hip space where you could still see the stage and you could hear the music, but it was, you know, decidedly top shop. It was a, you know, kind of 20 by 20 space with truss and big balloon arches and, you know, this really cool environment that people could could spend time in. And what was really interesting about that space is that it became kind of a, a an event within an event. So everyone knew they were at the Squamish Music Festival, but at the same time, they were experiencing this thing that was very much Top Shop. Did they talk about the brand always? Probably not at all, really. But um, there was this kind of brand alignment with uh, what was going on, you know, at, at this particular particular location uh and and in some ways that that's sort of very easy to do in a music festival setting because people are there for a reason and you know they they're there to enjoy the music and and um the environment kind of lends itself to that sense of you know a really immersive experience it gets harder when you look at um, maybe a corporate event or or something that's um, a little bit more business focused but that's where we we take on some of our greatest challenges and and have some of our, our greatest outcomes is um you know working with a client to understand what exactly their audience needs or wants, uh, what what kind of messaging they want to share. So, you know, we've worked with uh, some of our medical clients, for example, um, who are really focused on innovation, high growth, technology, this kind of thing. And we create um, innovation spaces for them where get enter what looks like a hotel ballroom but inside of that space there's technology demos um, you know places where they can work with their hands creating things for themselves uh, where we're mixing art and science and technology into you know very cool environments where we did one activation a couple of years ago where people created what we called their music selfie so we mapped their face using um, this facial recognition technology and then created um, a custom mp3 of their face. So it was a, a little music piece that sort of related to the data points uh, on their, their facial recognition. Uh, so again, mixing art technology, creating an immersive experience, but then connecting it back to what this company was doing. Uh, so it's, it's those kinds of things. It's, it's out of the box thinking. It's, it's creating spaces that people have never seen before, um, but making it really comfortable and accessible and, and, and fun. I think we're going to see more of that. Don't you just with all the changes in technology? And, I think we are. Uh, already are. I mean, we're seeing things like yeah. virtual reality and, and you know, the, everyone right. freaks out when they talk about these things because it's like, what do we do with all this stuff? And everyone wants to be first to market and they, you know, they yeah. want to be, you know, kind of showcase these unique things. But I think, you know, being thoughtful about how we apply technology um, and being thoughtful about how we um, approach these sort of trendy things that are, are happening, not just in events, but, you know, across the board, you know, People want access to cool stuff, but they also want to be told how to use it and how to incorporate it into their life. So I think it is really about being thoughtful about about how we include some of those things in, in live experiences. Yeah, I mean, we have advances in technology. We, we are learning more and more about how adults learn and stuff like that. And I just think we're going to see less and less of people sitting around in rooms look watching people present with powerpoint a hundred percent i i have a, a a good friend and colleague um who has this whole philosophy around the power of play and mm-hmm. and he he talks about this in in keynote presentations but also um as part of sort of team building activities that 
that it, the power of play isn't, doesn't just stop after you, you know, turn 13. It's like, this is a part of how we need to do business and, and how we need to interact with each other. Um, it's how we can release our sense of creativity by playing. And, uh, uh he runs a great company called Engagement Unlimited. And, and this is really what they're focused on. And they use it in event spaces. Uh, and they use it in business spaces. Um, and they get people playing in a variety of different ways. And it's amazing what the outcomes are. So you've had lots of successes, you've won awards, but I got to ask you one sort of tough question. Mm. <laughs> and that is, have you had any flops along the way? And what did you oh, learn from? Oh, God, I flop every day. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest uh, thing that I've learned from those flops is that flopping is the best part. Uh, <laughs> There's always something in an event that goes wrong, isn't totally. it? Totally. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's not just about the sort of failures or the the missteps at events. It's like, we all have them. We all, we all screw up. We all make mistakes, you know, and, and some of the biggest lessons in my life have been where people have pointed that out to me. And, uh, it doesn't feel great at the time when, when you go through those things, but you know, the, the opportunity to fail fast and then learn from that failure, um, is pretty freeing once you, once you develop a bit of a, a resilience around it. It's very freeing to, to realize that you know, failure is just a stepping stone into the next success that you might have. And, uh, and it's one of the things that I, I tell, uh, you know, young people that I mentor or people looking to get into this business is you will have many days where it doesn't feel good and it's not fun and, and it's hard and, and, you know, something blows up that shouldn't and, you know, your speaker forgets their lines and, you know, nobody's signing up for you. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's buying tickets for your event. God forbid. Yeah. You will have yeah. so many days like that. Um, yeah. But the thrill of the thrill of the good days far outweighs that far outweighs it. So yeah, I, the, as I say, like not, not to sound trivial, but like the flopping is the best part. Like it, it's, it's the thing that makes you better at your job. It's, you know, if everything was easy all the time, you, you wouldn't learn anything. So is it just Vancouver where people sign up for events last minute or do you see that all throughout oh, North America? Oh God, people are so lazy and they're always looking for the next best thing and they're, you know, they're always wondering if there's going to be something cooler coming along. Um, yeah. You know, one, one of the, the cool things I think that's starting to happen now is there's some partners that we're working with who are, are working on sort of like surfacing interesting content in, in Vancouver specifically. Uh, and what I mean by that, they're, they're, they're part of a, an organization that's developed an app um, that that talks about interesting things happening in Vancouver. Um, and there's, I think, around 20 different networks in different cities, um, in different metro uh, areas that do this. And this particular app is called Do 604. So it's based on the area code of the city. There's one called Do 250, which is based in Victoria. It started in Austin, Texas. Uh, I think the area code there is 513. So everything is, is based on this concept of Do and then the area code. And what's cool about this this um, this app is that it helps you it helps you uh, uh, find and understand what's going on in your city. Um, and I think these types of things are so integral to advancing, you know, the kind of creative industry, uh, our events industry, uh, music, art, film, these different sort of cultural touchstones in our communities that people don't necessarily know about. Um, so yeah, are we a last minute city? Absolutely. Do people, you know, are they hesitant to commit to things because they think, you know, something better is going to come along. Sure. But a big part of that is education. And, um, 
and knowledge sharing and, and advertising and marketing these things in a way that, that make it easy for people to know what's going on and easy for people to connect, um, accessible for people to uh, attend some of these things. So I'm excited about that, that part of, um, you know, how technology can help aid us in, in discovering unique content and getting people to these events. So I think those things go hand in hand. And I think when you give people um, the right opportunity to find this content, like do 604 and, and these sorts of things are doing, it, it, it helps to mitigate some of that kind of last minute or, or laziness or people just wanting to, you know, ride their bike on the seawall as opposed to go to some of these great events. Do you have any events coming up that you'd like to plug? Oh man, we're we're just we're just about to to launch into our crazy summer season. Uh, so uh, our next big event coming up is uh, Canada Day at Canada Place on July first. So produce uh, all of the uh, the free family friendly uh, activities going on that day, um, which is really fun. It's a it's an amazing day, and uh, with next year being the 150th birthday um, of Canada, there's some interesting kind of one year countdown stuff. Uh, kicking off this year. So that's really exciting. And then really our our uh, signature summer event uh, comes at the end of July, which is the Honda Celebration of Light, the three-day fireworks festival down at uh, English Bay. And uh, things are well underway for that one as well. We've got uh, some really interesting competitors this year. My favorite being Disney. So the U.S. is is one of our competitors this year in the fireworks festival and Disney's actually producing that fireworks show. So it's oh, wow. sure to be incredible. Yeah. yeah. They have lots of experience with fireworks. They sure they do. do. They, they are the masters of theatrics. So yeah, it's gonna be- I think they do one almost every night or something like yeah, that at the park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So we're, um, everyone's cool. excited for that one. We have a final few quick questions or several quick questions. Quick only in the sense that I'm going to ask them quickly. Cool. And uh, you can take your time answering them if you want. Uh, the first one, and maybe the most important question I've asked you during this entire interview, is that because we are the Jelly Marketing Podcast, what do you like to spread on your toast? Love this question. And I'm a, I'm a <laughs> bit of a rebel. I'm almond butter all the way. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> cool. We had another, I, I mean, we've only done a few interviews for the Jelly Marketing Podcast. We had another almond butter person oh, as well. Oh, so I'm not so much of a rebel, I guess. I no, they better. added a little bit of cinnamon to Ooh, it. Ooh, I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that sound yeah, good? Yeah, good advice. <laughs> and I was really tempted to ask you this question earlier mm. because I find events really stressful. <laughs> Every year that I do the this gala, I almost, I pull all my hair <laughs> out. But <laughs> just, just. I think it's self-inflicted stress, but um, not that it's it's a stressful, super stressful event to put on. But I'm just a worrier. But <laughs> it's natural, it's natural doing what we do. Yeah, and and I think with the size of events that you do, how do you how do you handle stress? Wine, <laughs> yeah. wine, always yeah. wine. There's always a chilled bottle in the fridge. Uh, that that certainly helps. You know, for me, it's uh, a lot of it is about balance, um, and I don't necessarily see balance as like, you know, everything has to be equal all the time. But you know, you have to you have to balance the big swing in one direction with a swing in the other direction. So after I come off of a big event, you know, I always take the time for either a mini holiday or spend some time with my family. You know, on a day to day basis, it can be as simple as like making time for a spin class or a yoga class, you know, to make sure that I have that kind of the transition between work and, and home is important to me. And, you know, it's it's that you've, if you if you're going to work hard, you, you really have to give yourself the 
time and the space for a rest after. Are you a white wine person or a red wine person? White wine all the way. Are you an Android person or an iPhone person? iPhone, come on. Is there any other way? (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on that one. (laughs) Do you have a favorite a favorite app? You know, I think my favorite day-to-day app is probably Instagram. Um, I love, um, you know, sharing photos with friends. You know, I have certainly have followers I don't even know. Um, you know, I follow people I don't even know. So I, I love the, you know, I love photography. I love the sort of glimpse into people's everyday life that, that it provides. And uh, the other app that I love, but I don't get to use it in Vancouver, is the Uber app. Whenever oh, I'm yeah. traveling in a different city, um, I never take taxis. I love Uber. I think it is so brilliant. And that's my little plug for wanting Uber in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be happy when it finally gets here, if it ever gets I there. hope it does because it is life-changing. Yeah. I'm always surprised at, you know, watching talk shows and stuff like that, that celebrities are taking Uber. Oh, and it's amazing. It's, yeah. It's so great. What, what do you like about it? It's so convenient. It's so convenient. You don't like you set it. You set everything up in advance. You can book a car on your phone on the app, and you just hop in the car, and then you hop out of it. There's no money changes hands. Everything gets done through the app. You meet interesting people. I love it. It's such a great way to get to know people in a in a different city and to see a new city. And uh, it's just convenient and awesome. I was actually watching Billy Crystal on Jimmy Fallon last oh, yeah. night, and he was. The, I guess the app even tells you how soon the car will be it there does. for you, and all it does. that's it says, really cool. You know, yeah. dri- it says who your driver is, what his name is, his license plate number, what kind of car he's driving, when he's going to be there. It's awesome. And uh, do you have a favorite life or business hack to share? Some sort of shortcut or loophole that makes your life easier? So. This is going to sound silly, but this is my life hack because I used to. It used to take me like an hour to get ready in the morning until I stopped washing my hair every day. And now I can get out of the house in like 30 minutes. I throw my hair in a ponytail and I've told so many people this thing and they're like, well, wait, but what do you mean? I'm like literally 30 minutes. I wake up, I have my coffee, I get out the door and that has made my morning. I'm not a morning person at all. And that has made my morning experience just so much more pleasant. Right on. Yeah. You sound, uh, you sound a lot like my wife. I think she does that as- it's our she practices that too. She's discovered you don't you don't have to wash your hair every day. Do you use dry shampoo ever? Always. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> like that's the life hack extraordinaire is dry shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. I know you probably have several of these, but if you could pick one, uh, what's a cause that's near and dear to you? Yeah, this is always a, 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 I love this question because I, I think, you know, philanthropy and giving back is so important. You know, for me, it's anything that really is around women helping women. You know, I'm, I've been involved in Dress for Success. Um, I've been involved with the YMCA. You know, I, I've mentored young women. Um, I've had great mentorship by by women. Um, you know, a few years ahead of me in, in their careers, and that sense of giving back, uh, you know, within the kind of female entrepreneur community is is really important to me. The other thing, you know, and it's not so much a cause, but it is it is important to me, and it's a it's a volunteer thing that I do. Is I still work with the TEDx Vancouver uh, community. You know, as a curator for them, I, I work on the speaker program, um, and that's something. It, that's not, you know, necessarily related to brand live, but something I do to kind of give back to the event industry and, and stay connected to that TED world. I think the, the philosophy of TED around, you know, spreading ideas and, and helping kind of move the needle with uh, with interesting content and, and kind of shared experiences uh, is something that I feel really strongly about. So, um, you know, happy to give my time there as well. When is the next TEDx Vancouver? Uh, we don't have a date set right now, but typically it happens in the fall. So stay tuned.
<laughs> Those are a lot of work, aren't they? They are. They are. And, um, you know, we've got a great volunteer team. It's entirely volunteer. Nobody takes a salary from TEDx Vancouver. Nobody takes a salary from any TEDx event. Um, it's part of the, the philosophy and the model that, that TED set up is that, you know, everything is, is volunteer run and, and all the, uh, any profits or, or, you know, finances generated from the event roll right back into creating better content and, and, you know, better attendee experiences. So we have a team of, God, probably 50 or 60 people at this point with TEDx Vancouver and then hundreds more that volunteer on the day. And uh, it's a pretty cool group. You know, you, if you wanted to to find the movers and shakers in Vancouver, uh, a lot of them are, are in that room together. If people want to find out more about Brand Live Group, I discovered that it's important to put that in when you're when you're googling it. <laughs> there's uh, there's quite a few people using the Brand Live. There are, uh, yeah. Name, so we're so. we're brandlivegroup.com on uh, on the web and then uh, across social media as well. Brand Live Group. Good. And if people want to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way to do? God, like come and come and drop by my office for a coffee. I'm always. <laughs> up for it. Yeah, always up for it, but easy to find me on social media, uh, just at Katie Schaefer's. I just might take you up on that coffee. I'm in your neighborhood. Awesome. The- yeah, that yeah. sounds fun. That's where, that's where all the cool kids are hanging out these days. So there's uh, lots of interesting stuff uh, going on in our office. So always happy to, to take people on a tour. Well, thanks so much for joining me. I've really enjoyed this. Uh, I hope we can have another conversation. There's so much more that we could have unpacked there, and there's so much to learn around, about holding a a, a great event and uh, just congratulations on the good work that you're doing at Brand Live. Group. Cool. Thanks so much, Rod. Well, thanks again to Katie Schaefer's from Brand Live Group for joining us on the fifth episode of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. If you'd like to check out some of the links and show notes from the episode, go to the Jelly Marketing Podcast page at jellymarketing.com and you'll find it under the blog tab of the website. Also, be sure and check us out on iTunes and leave a comment and a rating. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. You can fly When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.